Bishop Tom Daly, the Bishop of the Diocese of Spokane, Washington, in eastern Washington. And joining me in our radio show are the three vicars. So this is called the Bishop and the Vicars. I'd like to introduce the Vicar General and Rector of Our Lady of Lords Cathedral, Father Darren Connell. It's nice last time you introduced me last. So. That's okay. The you first shall be last. Feeling a little guilty. That's all right. Father Brian Mee, the pastor, pastor of St. Peter's on the South Hill and the Vicar for Finance, and Father Pat Kirst, pastor of St. Mary's, and, and also— And St. Joseph Rockford. St. Joseph Rockford and the well, Vicar for Priests. Well, shout out for Rockford. We are, we're talking about the rich experience of Easter, particularly Easter Vigil, in our parishes, in the church as a whole. The Easter Vigil, I think, Father May, you once quoted St. Augustine, called it the mother of all vigils. And, well, um, that I might very you might well have said have that, yeah, because yes. I know St. Vincent de Paul didn't say that. No. But um, <laughs> in the parishes uh, where I was assigned uh, it before becoming a uh, bishop, um, we would have a good crowd, a very good crowd at the vigil. But some of the pastors tell me that unlike Christmas Eve, which uh, is very popular for people going to Mass at all times, beginning 3, which I really don't think a Mass should begin on Christmas Eve at 4 or 5.30, but... Nonetheless, the Easter Vigil, because perhaps its length, um, as our co-producer, Hiller Hammond, had said, maybe people don't understand uh, the significance of the Mother of All Vigils, that the Easter Vigil, uh, because of its uh, history, its um, importance in our spiritual life, maybe if people better understood it, more would attend. Uh, Let's talk about what's going on and what happens and how the Easter Vigil is uh, prayed in your parishes, well, with think, the cathedral. I think that w- w- what you mentioned, uh, that the attendance in general is, is down in parishes on the Easter Vigil. Um, I, I think one of the reasons, frankly, is that w- it, it's, it needs to start so late. Uh, um, you know, this year it'll be 8 p.m., and, and if you have a family or something, that's difficult. But there's a very good reason, obviously, why we start so late, because the vigil needs to start uh, in the darkness. And um, that darkness then is pierced by the, the Easter fire, symbolizing Christ's power over sin and death. And so, um, uh, yes, there's some practical difficulties, but theologically, um, that uh, interchange between light and darkness is uh, is very important. In fact, uh, a little shout-out to our communication director, director Mitchell Palmquist, who, um, on the front cover of the Inland Catholic, uh, our latest issue of the Inland Catholic, we have a perfect example of that, of people holding... Uh, lit candles from the from the Easter fire uh, prior to the uh, the great vigil of Easter. I do know one of our pastors served in a parish in, in which he arranged for a vigil to literally last all night long. It started at eight o'clock in the evening on Saturday and ended with mass on Easter Sunday morning at six thirty. So the community was gathered all night long. So that's. Wow. That's a real way to do vigil. Did I transfer that priest? Already? You did. You Thank did. Yes, you. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> to St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. St. Peter's, yes. Yeah. Well, the original idea was to have an all-night vigil, but of course even the early Christians got over that pretty quickly, and that's how they wound up splitting up so that we'd have Easter morning masses as well as Easter vigil. At St. Peter's, of course, our congregation, I, from what Father Connell says, must be more faithful um, than his at the Mother Church of Our Lady of Lourdes. They're the bishops, they're not mine. I'm just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh. No, I you just... Must, uh, you must defend your flock here. No, it's his flock. I'm just here to serve. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I would say the crowds are not as good, 
are not as large as they are at Christmas. Of course, we don't have Easter carols. Maybe if we had Easter carols. But I would say that the group that comes uh, to the Easter vigil, they're very faithful to it. And uh, one of the, the wonderful things is I think people who do come to the Easter vigil, recognizing that it's, uh, it's very dramatic and it is long, uh, they're in no hurry to get out of there either. So I, I believe and probably at every parish there is a faithful group that truly um, enter into that great vigil. When I was a, a transitional deacon, we had the Easter vigil. The archbishop at the time moved it to uh, before sunrise on Easter morning at the cathedral. We had to be there at, I don't know, 4.30 or 5 a.m. It never happened after that. It was not permitted, I don't think. <laughs> no, it's yes. not permitted. And I don't know where that came Those from. Were invalid masses. You'll have to go back and say Probably. <laughs> I was only a transitional deacon, no. but... Um, <laughs> And I, I'm surprised because usually those cutting-edge type uh, experiments would have been done here uh, from what uh, I've the read. The cutting-edge of eastern Washington? Uh, yes, yes. Or western Washington. It would be western. Yes. Uh, Archbishop Sarton does listen to this show. I just want oh, to tell you We that. love Archbishop yeah, Sarton. Yeah, he is the Metropolitan Archbishop. Brilliant. Um, anyway, uh, in... Um, we have options uh, with the readings, the number of readings, and sometimes uh, people, uh, again, unfamiliar with the, the vigil, look at the readings and think, my God, it's so much. And, um, uh, but we're, for pastoral reasons, uh, oftentimes there are three readings and then the epistle and the gospel. Is that what uh, happens at uh, St. Peter's or St. Mary? Yes. or some At, at St. Mary, we do cut it back to four Old Testament readings, then the epistle, then the mm -hmm. gospel. Uh, this really? other reference I was making to the all-night vigil, mm -hmm. they did in fact use every reading and, as, and assigned families to a reading. So the reading was proclaimed, and then the family would do whatever they want, and they had half an hour, I believe, to, after the reading, to act it out, to have some reflection questions, lead the congregation and reflect. This was a very small parish, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then after each hour, they'd take a little break, go to the hall for a few minutes, get a glass of water, go back and have the next reading. And so that's uh, one way of filling up mm -hmm. eight hours of vigil. This it's, was um, in the diocese. In the diocese of Spokane, yes. Beautiful. Uh, sometimes people criticize uh, Catholics, I think, uh, unfairly for maybe not holding up um, uh, Scripture uh, as some perceive that, that we do or don't. But I think the vigil is testimony to our love for sacred Scripture and and our, our view that, that Christ is seen... Uh, Christ's presence isn't just in, in, the, in the New Testament, that uh, his presence extends throughout all, all of Scripture, and that's why we have that heavy emphasis on, on the Old Testament readings. I think the, uh, not to see Christ in the Old Testament is, I believe, a heresy, Father Me. Marcion, was that the heretic? Well, Marcion was a little more involved than that, but, okay. but mm -hmm. you're absolutely correct. I yep. mean, we are to see is that Christ is the author of and all that is said in the Old Testament is a prefiguring, a foreshadowing, and therefore is about Christ. So, yes, yeah, you're right. What, you. Um, Can you say that again? Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. I think, I think the listeners right heard it. The listeners but, heard wait, that. Now, wait, but I do think that Father Connell made a good point here. Wow. And uh, <laughs> what I think would be good for the future is that that whole idea, this idea that we as Catholics don't appreciate or know Scripture, uh, but I would go a step further, of course, uh, you always and, do. And <laughs> not only in the readings, but if we go through the prayers of the Mass and the gestures mm -hmm. of the Mass, they're all so scripturally based, but again, uh, perhaps like many of the rites that we find during Holy Week, 
uh, we as Catholics become so familiar with them that we no longer really recognize uh, where their roots are or um, what they speak of. So, Bishop, could you put that on a future agenda item? Oh, the the priest council. Oh, no, yes. no, no, no. Or oh, one of our shows, topics, topics, the, yeah. That the, the Mass itself is... Well, if we just uh, followed the rubrics and prayed the Mass as it was, uh, I think that uh, it wouldn't, what, what causes confusion for people is when um, an individual priest or bishop, I suppose, uh, uh, turns the Mass into um, uh, Father Darren show. Uh, it's not about that. Uh, you know, is it your birthday? You know, some of the things that I get letters complaining where the, the, the Long beauty, Island accent. It's your birthday. That's the rubrics. The, 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 the Mass is to be celebrated uh, as the most important prayer of our faith. And uh, we are blessed to be able to have the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And I think the Easter Vigil and the Easter morning Masses, there is um, Easter morning uh, when we have the families uh, present there, it is a, a tremendous opportunity for us, for those who maybe aren't as frequent at Mass, to make sure that they see in uh, our church uh, a people ex- uh, sharing Christ's love, His mercy, and Christ has risen. We're going to take a break now, and uh, we'll be back continuing to discuss experience of Easter in the lives of the Catholic faithful. A holy angel at my side, go to church for me. Kneel in my place at holy mass where I desire to be. At offertory in my stead, take all that I am and own, and place it as a sacrifice upon the altar throne. At holy consecration's bell, adore with Sarah's love, my Jesus hidden in the host, come down from heaven above. And when the priest communion takes, O bring my Lord to me, that his sweet heart may rest on mine and I his temple be. Amen. For those of you who've never been to the Easter Vigil, I would encourage uh, you to go to your parishes um, and experience as a way to support uh, the catechumens, those who are entering into our faith, those who are being baptized. Uh, Father Chris, we'll talk about a little about the sacrament of initiation. Oh, it's it's wonderful experience, and people have been working toward this for months and months who are in the process of preparation uh, as a catechumen, and I'm baptized, and, and we also include in our parish those who are candidates for full communion in the Catholic Church, so those who will be received into the Church and then uh, celebrate Confirmation and have their first Eucharist. In our parish, as uh, we get to the moment of the Sacraments of Initiation, there's a profound procession accompanied by Litany of the Saints to the baptismal font, which in our particular parish church is a pool and so we do do immersion baptisms uh, sometimes we remember to turn the heat on in the water uh, which, which people somewhat appreciate and, mm-hmm. and I uh, take off my chasuble and climb into the water and we you do immerse that I do as a matter of fact and uh, with your microphone off because uh, I take the uh, microphone off Father McDougall was electrocuted was in the diocese of Davenport right <laughs> So we have we uh, celebrate 76. baptism by immersion of those adults to be baptized, and then uh, the community is very excited by this and are very uh, supportive of them. And then we continue on with the sacrament of confirmation after that, and uh, and then uh, go on with the celebration of the Eucharist and our proclamation of the mystery of salvation. And how long does it take you to get dried out? Uh, it takes me. A, about two three minutes to dry off and put on new clothes i slip back into the confessional so there it is a dual use confessional in our church because it is a changing room after the baptisms at the vigil wow and then uh it's inappropriate (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, but for the uh, people who have been baptized, usually it takes much more than two minutes. So we have a lot of songs to sing and everybody who is already baptized then comes to the pool themselves and, and is blessed with the holy water because we've got to do something to fill up about 15 minutes of time while people mm -hmm. are changing, getting dried mm -hmm. off. And You know, the, the Easter Vigil, there's so many parts of it and we're kind of skipping around parts, but one of the ones that I really like, uh, of course, the fire in the beginning is great. Uh, but that fire actually came in a little later in, in the church's um, vigil service. But uh, the deacon leading in with the candle and then, of course, the other candles being lit as we go. But it reminds me so much um, the deacon leads in on Good Friday with the cross and said, Behold the wood of the cross on which died the Savior of the world. Uh, it's that exact path that we follow. Now, after going through that Holy Th Saturday that we basically spend in the tomb with the Lord, and now we're coming out of that darkness, out of the tomb, into the light, uh, following it in the path of Christ who is risen. So just um, that connection between those two processions of the cross, that we're to follow the cross of Christ through time of sacrifice, but now we're uh, celebrating with a great joy and jubilation that in following through uh, with the cross and the tomb, now we enter out of the tomb uh, into the risen Lord. And, of course, that's what's is taking that the, place in the uh, rites of initiation Is that the construction well. of St. Charles Borromeo Church here in Spokane? Uh, you enter into, and I'm told, it's the lower ceiling, and it's meant to be the tomb, and then you go into the body of the church, and it's vast and open. That was Father, Father Tracy uh, is an expert on that architecture. He was pastor there for several years and a good friend of of the priest who, who built that uh, Monsignor Oakley O'Connor mm -hmm. of Happy Memory. And Father Connolly is the pastor there. I was Father just there Connolly's last there. Saturday. And he, Father Connolly, just and, and the people of St. Charles just had a major renovation there. So it's beautiful. The stained glass windows, especially. Yeah. They're Loire glass from, from France. France. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the shadow of the Chartres Cathedral. Yes, been there. Where else in our diocese do we have those windows? Oh, the uh, Mac Conception in Colville. Uh, so yes. I think they had those at Modern Clary. As well, yeah, Mater also, Mater. and at uh, Holy Family in Clarkston. Mater yes. Uh, what about uh, the Easter experience? Uh, you know, uh, we've heard that people in this age of secularism are saying, "What difference does the risen Jesus uh, mean?" I mean, so what? And we know as Catholic Christians and as Christians that Easter is the feast. If the vigil is the mother of all vigil, it is the the feast. It is uh, hope, uh, joy, uh, the the risen Christ, but. How do we, I mean, have you heard this, and uh, how do we address this, uh, the people who just dismiss it? Uh, well, first so of all, I, what I would say is that uh, Easter is, for me anyway, personally, spiritual, I think for the church as well, that um, Easter is the answer to uh, evil and suffering in our world today. Uh, without uh, Christ's embracing of the cross, passion, death, and his resurrection from the dead, um, our lives would be pretty meaningless, uh, and suffering would have no meaning, Uh in our own lives, but we know through uh, the Paschal Mystery that when we encounter suffering, and, we, and when we encounter grave suffering, serious suffering, I, we've all been with parents who've, who've lost children and mother who, whose son died or whatever the situation is, well, we have an example of, of what that was like in salvation history with the Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross. And if anyone had told her on Good Friday, oh, don't worry about it, I know this looks awful, but it's going to be fine. Uh, she would have rightly said, well, you're crazy, but that's precisely what God did. And so we may not under understand, people may not understand why uh, evil is present in the world and why evil things happen to them, 
we do know, um, as a truth of our faith, because of what happened to Jesus, that that evil will not have the last word, that God in his own way, in his own time, is going to bring goodness out of that, out of that suffering. For those uh, people who are the listening audience who have uh, suffered and are burdened, I think the words uh, spoken of Jesus uh, on the cross offer a great consolation. The words with John and Mary's son, Behold your mother, mother, behold your son. And so often, I think, our people uh, are burdened, as we talked about, the complexity of life, hardship, broken relationships, uh, the burdens of sin, other ways they've suffered. And uh, we are meant uh, as a church to be, uh, all of us, missionaries of mercy. Most especially, we have the missionaries of mercy uh, in our diocese. Those are those priests uh, uh, given that special response, but all the priests. And I would encourage in our listening audiences, not just in Holy Week or uh, the Easter season, to make sure that you uh, are given, uh, receive the sacrament of penance, uh, reconciliation, to be, to experience the hope and joy that comes from the risen Christ, uh, who has given us this tremendous sacrament. So many people, I think the priests, uh, the vicars would agree, uh, that unnecessarily people are carrying suffering, burdens, and sin, and the Lord has given us this great gift, as he's given us all the sacraments. We'll you know, to, go ahead. Well, in the sacrament, one of the, uh, you know, what do we say in the absolution? Through the, ministries, through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace. And I think that uh, it's easier for people to understand the pardon than to recognize or also to receive the peace, so that no matter how far they have fallen, no matter how uh, black their sin may be, that it is pardoned because God's love and power goes deeper. Christ's sacrifice on the cross goes deeper than any sin they could possibly commit it. So it is pardoned by him, and there is to be that great peace that leads to joy. You know, someone just mentioned something about um, when something happens bad to us, and we think, well, how could God possibly allow that? I think in some ways we need to turn that inside out and I think we've become too numb to all the miracles uh, that are displayed to us daily. In other words, um, when something bad happens to us, but we see that as an instance, but daily for how many hours a day do wonderful things? I mean, for every moment we have a breath, it's a breath of God's life that he gives us. Um, and how thankful should we be for that? You know, in, in other words, uh, we, we can certainly focus in as, you know, it's natural when times are difficult or when we're going through a sickness, um, but we, we can become numb to the fact of, well, look at all the miracles that God performs for each of us each day, just so that we can even be together uh, speaking on this show. Well, how about as we prepare to wrap up uh, this uh, episode with one minute, just briefly, if that could be is possible with you three, um, Something, a, a, a brief reflection on uh, a brief best memory of Easter, what you would hope uh, to convey to the people of God in your parishes on Easter. What I would hope to convey is actually inscribed above St. Aloysius Church uh, in Latin, Domus Dei et Porticelli, the house of God and the gate to heaven. Uh, and that what happens on Easter, uh, Easter Sunday happens throughout the entire year. And the church is that gate that leads us uh, to the Eucharist, to the graces of the sacraments, and ultimately leads us to be home with Christ in heaven. Follow me, if it's possible. Uh, you have 20 seconds. <coughs> Christ is risen. Alleluia. 
All right. And Pat. Very good. I Easter Sunday morning is powerful. I've been up late Easter vigil and got a few hours sleep and up ready to go. I'm groggy. And yet people come and we proclaim that great message that Christ is risen. But we have the gospel reading that day and it's pretty unsatisfying. We don't have the message Christ is risen in the gospel. It's we're left with the empty tomb, which is confronts us with a faith response, which uh, the disciples who'd abandoned, betrayed Jesus, uh, he appeared to them as risen Lord. And even then there was still doubt. There was not certainty. So it was that great gift of the Holy Spirit that enlivened within them that proclamation of faith. So I like to wrap up the whole Easter season together that ends with the great Feast of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and say, it's that gift of the Holy Spirit that enables us to really proclaim Christ is risen, and we accept that testimony of the first disciples. We encountered the risen Lord, we ate with him, and we continue to do that in Eucharist, and our Easter Sunday Eucharist is the pinnacle of that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. We've been talking about Easter and uh, some of the uh, memories that... uh Vickers have. Uh, one of uh, Father Me was talking about as, uh, as a boy, his Uncle Eddie used to... Um, Uncle Jack. I mean, Uncle Jack, God rest his soul. Cut down on uh, his prime at 93. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he in charge of the Police Benevolent Fund? In, in other, Butte, uh, Montana. Butte, Montana. Beautiful Butte. Oh, that's where my grandfather, uh, God rest his soul, Frank Early was from. But anyway, that's for another episode, Famous Travels with Charlie. But um, <laughs> we like to talk about, um, as Father Connell mentioned, it seems every... Easter morning or on the Saturday paper, there is some article in uh, a newspaper, a magazine, debunking the risen Christ. Some article uh, or segment on television, essentially playing into the notion that was common at the time of Jesus, that uh, the um, Romans uh, or the high priest paid people, uh, that the, the disciples stole the body. Even there was a a former priest, a theologian who taught in the Midwest, a friend of, I don't know, Father Mimi has studied with him, who who was <laughs> perpetuating this myth that Jesus' body was dragged away by wild dogs, um, and this man teaching in a so-called Catholic university. Uh, but, you know, our people, uh, the faithful, especially those who maybe aren't regular, uh, regularly involved in our parishes and the life of the Church, who maybe don't read the, the, the Catholic publications, sometimes they see this, and it begins to be just one more um, question as to why should anyone believe. Your thoughts on, on, the, on what, what happens uh, like that? 
I think first of all, um, you, you know, you look at the the, pr the primary witnesses, uh, the principal witnesses to the passion, the death, and resurrection of Jesus would be the the apostles, and uh, you know, you look how their lives ended. All of them were murdered uh, in in various ways. Uh, they were martyred. Um, I just, on a purely human level, practical level, um, if 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 I were an apostle and and, and Jesus, well, I wasn't convinced Jesus rose from the dead i don't think i'm going to be giving my life for that uh be, to be tortured uh and, and killed for a fraud uh, and their sacrifice the apostle sacrifice was just the beginning of two cent to a millennia of 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 martyrs w willing to uh die for their conviction that jesus christ indeed rose from the dead that's what um saint augustine would make that point uh, wow, so I'm kind of like St. Augustine. You are an Look Augustinian. At, bit that at least in the early years. Do yeah. I get to wear the cape, Bishop? He, uh, <laughs> only if you were Dominican. Oh. And then that, you have to be uh, Brother Procopius. He, he lived in the 5th century, mm -hmm. and he was looking back, and he said it should be far easier for the people of his time to believe than it was uh, even in Jesus' time, because we have all those 400 years of witnesses uh, that have followed, and we have seen the work of the Spirit. But, you know, one of the things, um, going back to the Triduum and all, Good Friday, it used to be that the on Good Friday, the color that would be worn by the priest was black. But now, of course, it's red. And it's to recognize that as Christ shed his blood, uh, so the priest, but so are we, followers of Christ, to shed our blood. So uh, we are to be the ones that, through the way we live our lives and how we sacrifice our lives, we are showing that Christ is alive and present with us today. Uh, now, that doesn't answer the, the whole bodily resurrection, but of course, as Father Connell just brought up, I mean, there's uh, scriptural witnesses to that. The very fact that in all those post-resurrectional accounts, um, it makes a point of, well, Christ is always eating. Now, it's not because he had some eating disorder, but it was to show the fact that um, he truly is risen, even though uh, in his risen self, he wasn't it wasn't always apparent you know they didn't always recognize him and different for our listeners than Lazarus who was raised from the dead but would die uh, again uh, normal life Jesus is risen uh, Father Kirst anything from um, from St. Mary's St. Mary's I mean the, the National Enquirer if you go out to get something at the last minute on Holy Saturday you'll see not so much the Enquirer but uh, probably more the uh, other magazines um, uh, in fact uh, I don't think the Inquirer at all. It would it would be some of the mainline uh, media would uh, would be would be publishing something on that. And uh, do the people in the pews ever afterwards ask you about that? Oh, I, I think the, the the people that that come and are in the pews probably don't find that all that challenging. It's it's perhaps some other people. But uh, when I think of you know the the veracity of the the story of the the risen Christ, you hate to make the veracity of faith, the numbers game, but I'm, I look at things, if Christ wasn't risen from the dead and still alive among us and touching people's lives and drawing people to himself into his body, church would have went away. Mm -hmm. And yet we look at the reality and what 1.1 billion Catholics in the world right now, there have never been that many Catholics in the world, and, and then add on the other Christian denominations, and it's an enormous number. And to me, that's testament that, that Christ is risen and he's... Uh, touching people's lives and they're wanting to join together with other Christians to proclaim this mystery and, and find direction in their life and hope and joy. That, I think, uh, much is spoken about evangelization as we find um, 
the people we're called to bring Christ to are first those who are with us in our Catholic schools, our faith formation programs, the people who regularly are part of our community at Mass. But we also have to know that after that crowd is alive with the Spirit, with Christ, um, the true, the risen Christ, there is um, one can't contain uh, the faith. When, when one meets Christ and knows Christ, uh, Christ is to be shared. And the saints and those on the calendar and those without, uh, but are in our hearts, uh, ha- are proof of that. To bring it all together from uh, Lent to Holy Week to Easter are the words uh, Jesus speaks uh, to the apostles at his ascension. Know that I am with you until the end of the time. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it, As was, it was in the beginning, beginning is now, is now, now and shall ever shall be. be. World without end. Amen. Saint Vincent de Paul, pray, pray for us. Live Jesus in our hearts forever. forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.